come here to our uh, medic service, Bible study at Calvary Baptist Church of Trihern. Uh, also, again, uh, welcome to those uh, be with us via internet and FM signal here in town, 88.7. Please open the hymnals on number number uh, 63. 63. Take the name of Jesus with you. Number 63. <clears throat> thankful for that precious name of thy son the Lord Jesus Christ the name above all names the name that is so important for us to know he is the only savior of mankind his name was announced to Joseph and he was told to name him that and he did and we're thankful that he came to save his people from their sins and that we can be forgiven and saved through the blood of Jesus Christ we're thankful father for the promise also of thy son who said 
Upon this rock, being himself, he would build his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And as we come to the end of this age, we're thankful that we can still gather in a true church, and we can still glorify thee. And we pray for wisdom, we pray for boldness, as our governments are continually scheming how they can shut down churches. I pray, Father, for wisdom to know how to continue on and obey thee and to serve thee faithfully and to be an encouragement and a blessing to others. We pray for others who should be here and choose not to. Pray, Father, that they would be humbled and repent and see the importance of truth, realizing that the time is short and very soon they will uh, face the, the Lord and they were not ready. We pray for Paula and for the children. We pray that they might want thy comfort and peace at this time and that they would understand there's only one way to have that and for uh, my wife's uh, brothers as well that they would want thy peace and truth in their hearts. We pray, Father, that thy will be accomplished in, in regard to the situation in Israel that uh, Mr. Netanyahu would be saved and many others as well. We pray for uh, the war in Ukraine and for the Christians in Russia and Ukraine that they would be faithful and encouraged in thee. We pray that many more would be saved. We pray for this plane crash there and and uh, it's quite possible that the Russians have taken out some of their enemies. We pray that uh, families would wake up and see the need for truth and salvation in these days of grace. We know that the enemy is busy and we know that uh, many people are desirous of dominion but they're desirous of dominion apart from knowing the true God and we pray that uh, many would be saved and know what true dominion really is and what true blessing is pray for Ronnie's boss that he might be saved and Ronnie would have a good testimony there we pray for our services with the Filipinos that we can be a help to them and that uh, many would be saved in that country too in these days of grace so may that will be accomplished here tonight and for those that are listening via our live stream that uh, we can be a help to them to know thy peace and blessing we pray in Jesus name Amen and over to uh, 883 oh no sorry <laughs> 
is the same. All meetings, but Jesus never glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. All meetings, but Jesus never glory to his name. Hearing Peter never needs no fear. He who came to faithless Thomas, all thy doubt will clear. He who laid the love disciple on his bosom breast, misty still with love as tender. Upon his breast, yesterday, today, forever, Jesus is the same. All ages, but Jesus never glory to his name. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. Jesus never glory to his name. He who made the raging billows walk upon the sea still can pass our wildest tempest as on Galilee. He who with and breathing anguish in Garcia. Jesus never glory to his name, glory to his name, glory to his name, all meetings, but Jesus never glory to his name. As of all he walked to Emmanuel's with to abide so through all that's we he walked ever near our side soon again shall we behold him hasten toward today but we'll still be same Jesus as he went away Jesus never glory to his name, glory to his name, glory to his name, all mentions but Jesus never glory to his name.
over to 288 288 wonderful face 288 
Marching down the wrong pathway of time Make Jesus your friend Ere your shadows grow dark Oh, accept this sweet peace of sublime Peace, peace, wonderful peace Coming down from the Father above Sweep over my spirit forever I pray First Timothy chapter six in your Bibles. First Timothy chapter six. I'm going to read there from verse eleven to sixteen of that chapter. We'll stand please for the reading of God's word. First Timothy Chapter 6, beginning at verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things. And before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful again that we have the privilege of reading thy word, thankful that we have a God who is so gracious and loving to mankind to communicate with us in a way that we can understand. Thankful that in thy sovereignty and in thy will, thou didst see fit to translate thy word into the English language, the common language of the world, so that many people in different countries can read thy word and can know the truth. We thank thee also for those other languages that do have a Bible, do have the true word of God in their language. We know there are countries today that do not have thy word in their own mother tongue. We pray that uh, there might be individuals who would get saved in those countries and be able to help their fellow people to be able to read thy word and to believe the truth. We pray, Father, in the crossless world that there might be godly evangelists who would walk in the fear of God, who would take thy word as the truth and be very careful in preaching thy word so that people can know the truth. 
that we would not be guilty as we see in many generations where Christians did not take thy word seriously, where they allowed corruption to come in to weaken the message. And many have been lost because they have trusted in a false gospel. And we pray that we'd be careful here that we would preach the truth. Boldness is required that we would walk humbly with thee and be bold. We pray for our country as they're talking of bringing back the mask mandates and other foolish things, wicked things. Pray for wisdom, knowing how to approach these things and how to continue to glorify thee and to help others, even some politicians. Some must be growing weary of the foolishness. We pray, Father, that there would be an awakening, that we would be faithful in proclaiming the truth to help people to see the need to humble themselves and follow thee. May thy will be accomplished here tonight. May we glorify thee. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The title of the message this evening is Follow After God. The Apostle Paul is the writer of First Timothy. We've been studying this book in our Friday night studies with the Filipinos. And it tells us here in verse 6, But thou, O man of God. And again, we said uh, before that the word but, when you see that word but in Bible terms, that word but is telling us that there's something different that follows. Oftentimes we use the word but as an excuse. I wanted to do that but this happened. God doesn't use the word but as an excuse, but he contrasts those who are after money and after things, and he tells Timothy, but thou, O man of God. So one of the benefits that we have in studying church history is that we can look at the dangers that each person and each generation faces. Why is it, for instance, that the Waldenses today no longer hold to the truth? Why is it that there are other groups that once held to the truth? The Baptists, for instance. There are many Baptist groups today that are not following the truth. I remember when we were in Bible school, we attended a Baptist church for a while there. And uh, the pastor at that time, he was a man who, he preached very, very good messages. But he copied his ideas for those messages from old independent Baptist writers. They were not his convictions. And later on, we discovered that that man, he is now separated, maybe divorced from his wife already. And he's no longer in the pastorate. And he's wayward, gone. What happened? Why could he do that? Well, because it wasn't his conviction. He preached it, and there were some people in that church that appreciated it. We did. We appreciated good, sound preaching, but it wasn't from his heart, and that's a danger. When we don't let God build into our lives the truth, and when we don't do, as Paul told Timothy, to follow after, to flee things and to follow after things. So the first thing we want to notice in our study this evening on follow after God is the lack of biblical truth. The lack of biblical truth. Now last time we 
used a term in our study called the Dark Ages. The Dark Ages lasted for around a thousand years, quite a long time in the history of humanity, in the history of the world, really. And the Dark Ages were a time of darkness because the truth was not being proclaimed well, and the persecution of the Catholic religion was increasing greatly. The Catholic religion has always been a false religion. That's important to remember that. But it wasn't just the Catholics. Out of the Catholics came the Lutherans by Martin Luther. Martin Luther was not a God-fearing man, and he believed that your salvation is like a garden where you plant a seed and you water the seed and it grows and eventually becomes salvation. So it's a works-based faith. That's what Lutheranism is, and we know that. That's what Lutheranism is. And then there was also the Calvinist, John Calvin, who came about in that time frame, who also was an ungodly man, who developed a false theology and taught that, wrote extensively about it, and had many followers. Why do people follow the Catholics? Why do they follow the Lutherans? Why do they follow Calvinism? Well, because man is designed by God to want to worship. There's a religious element to man. And religion does not mean true religion. It just is that man, because of the fall, man's thinking was corrupted. And so man doesn't necessarily, in fact, seldom does man follow after the truth now. But Adam was designed without sin, and he knew the truth, and he could have followed the truth. So lack of biblical truth is a problem and has been for centuries. And there is and always has been great opposition to the truth. The devil lied to Eve. Eve picked up on the lie and she also lied to the devil. And Adam chose to ignore, reject the truth and chose to believe the lie that was given to him. And since that time, there are many, there are many people that have chosen to believe a lie rather than the truth. Now, we need to remember that during the Dark Ages... The truth was not available like you and I have it today. People didn't walk around with Bibles in their hands. There were no Bibles. The only thing there was was scrolls and writings that were put upon crude types of paper. And some people had access to that, but nobody had the complete Bible in their hand that they could walk around with and take home with them and study it. It wasn't available. Everything was handwritten. Think about handwriting your Bible. How long do you think it would take you? How accurate do you think you would be in handwriting your Bible? <clears throat> so, we today are living, ever since the invention of the printing press, we are living in a time where we have much greater access to the truth than people did in the time of the Dark Ages, for instance. 
Well, that doesn't mean that they didn't have enough truth. They did have enough truth because God has always made sure that man can know the truth, man can be saved, and man can know God's peace and blessing. Now, there were men, a few men, one of them by the name of Menno Simons. Menno Simons was raised as a Catholic. As a young man, he became a Catholic priest. He was a lost man. But Menno Simons read parts of the scripture, and the scriptures are powerful. And the result of that was that Menno Simons was converted. He was saved. And because he was saved, he left the priesthood. He didn't become a Christian Catholic. There's no such a thing. He left the priesthood. You see, that's the problem with Martin Luther and with John Calvin. They didn't want to throw out the false teaching of the Catholics. They just wanted to reform it. But Menno Simons left it. Menno Simons was a man who liked to study And so he studied the scriptures after he was saved, and he liked to tell other people what he was learning. And so he was able to help other people to get an understanding of what the truth is. And there were people that appreciated it. At any time, there are people that appreciate the truth. So Manuel Simons gained a small following. And after he died, they took his name and they were called Mennonites. Now, most Mennonites today are corrupt. They're lost. They don't know the truth. They don't know what biblical salvation is. They don't know what biblical baptism is. They don't know what biblical separation really is about. Some of them won't uh, have rubber tires on their vehicle. Some of them won't drive a tractor, they'll have a motor, but they won't use a tractor. They'll even mount that motor on a piece of equipment, but they have to pull it with horses. That's not taught in the Bible anywhere. But they had strange beliefs that they developed, and uh, those beliefs hindered them from accepting the gospel. Those beliefs became their salvation. You don't want to drive on rubber tires, that's fine, go ahead, clunk along on on steel. Or make a wooden wheel if you want to, go ahead, do it. But when you claim that doing those kinds of things is your salvation, and if if you stray from that, now you're sinning, you've got a problem. And again, it's based on a lack of truth. If you're not building your life on the truth, you're going to get into all kinds of distortions. And we have that today as well because we have a movement that's been around probably most of my lifetime. It used to be called the Pentecostals and now the Pentecostals have evolved into the Charismatic movement. And the Charismatic movement also builds upon lies. And lies don't get you anywhere. And we're going to look at that a little more later on. But that's the problem that we have. Now, one of the things that we need to understand is the truth is opposed to all untruth, all lies. I was talking with a man recently who was talking about another person who was involved in a car crash. 
and in that car crash the person was not hurt badly but the car was totaled and the man I was talking with said well he figures he knows why that that crash happened because the person driving that car didn't stop at the stop sign and therefore didn't take the time to look and to see if there was traffic coming and pulled out into traffic and was hit. So it was that person's fault. And then he said as he was making this statement about what he believes happened, he says, we all do it. First of all, he doesn't know whether we all do it. And secondly, that should not be a mark of Christians that we all run stop signs. And if we all do it, then we all need to stop and straighten that out. Because it's not a good thing to run stop signs. It gets you into trouble, as this person found out. But that same person, years ago, I approached him and spoke to him about his own son, who was riding a motorcycle down the gravel roads. Figured it was okay because it wasn't a highway. The boy was way too young to have a license. The bike wasn't licensed, but he used it to get back and forth from one place to the next. And I challenged the father on that and said, you know, what you're doing is sinning. Because at the same time, I was, in, I was witnessing to an unsaved man and talking to him about different things. And he pointed to this neighbor of his and said, well, look, at he lets his boys drive vehicles down the road with no license. And so if I'm doing those same kinds of things, why do you call me a sinner? And so I tried to help this man to see that, you know, you're being a stumbling block to your unsaved neighbor. And he didn't take kindly to that. He didn't like me challenging him on that. But the fact is that when we choose to ignore the truth, we are a stumbling block to other people. We hinder other people from knowing the truth, knowing God's blessing. And when we fail to walk in truth, we lose the power of the Christian life. God can never bless sin. He can never bless sin. Sin needs to be forsaken. And the Christian life, Peter challenges us, that we need to be holy, and he says, as God is holy. Our holiness, your holiness, is not dependent on looking at me for holiness. And my holiness is not dependent on looking at you or some other man for holiness. Our holiness needs to be compared to God's holiness. And when we look at God and we look at his son, we know that there was never any sin in Jesus Christ. He never sinned, never had an ungodly thought never acted in the ungodly manner, there was no sin. So that's our standard. And so when we look at the truth, we need to understand the importance of absolute truth. There is no room for a lie if we're going to walk in the truth. And if we are not taking this seriously as we live our lives, we are going to find that the next generation is going to be weak and few of them are going to be saved because that's what happens. When you don't build on the truth, you can't pass on the truth. 
You can't help other people to build on something you don't have. And that's a big problem. It has been throughout the centuries. And as we look at church history, we find that that's one of the major downfalls of every generation is that lack of willingness to accept the truth and to live the truth. So that's the first thing that we want to take note of today when we look at church history. How can we avoid some of the problems that we've looked at in the past in history? How can we avoid, for instance, if we take the matter of creation? I was talking with a person today. They were talking about Manitoba has a lot of rocks. And I said, yeah, and that's all from the flood, Noah's flood. And the person agreed with me. That's where the changes that we have in our world today were all there as a result of the flood. So when we look at creation, we know that the, that the Bible tells us that God created everything. So if we believe that, and we must if we're saved, if we believe that, then we have to also reject evolution entirely. Not just some of it, but entirely So how come then back in the 1800s there was this false idea developed called theistic evolution? How come there was such a thing developed as the gap theory? How come that happened? By men even like C.I. Schofield, who amongst many independent Baptists is held very highly. The Schofield Bible used for years by many independent Baptists and and promoted by them, this is the Bible you should use. And yet he was a man believing the gap theory. How can that be if he's held so high? How can he be so flawed? Well, it's quite simple. The truth was not absolute. That's why Christians accepted the lie of theistic evolution because the truth was not absolute. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Chapter 1 goes into detail and tells us how God did that. And so there was nothing in chapter 1, there's nothing that you can read in there that suggests any kind of evolution. It all happened instantaneously. And it was all very good. That's what God says at the end of the chapter. So, again, unless we, this generation, we can look back and we can pick holes in other people, but we need to be careful. One of the things that, if you take your finger and you go like this and you point at somebody else, you need to always remember you have three fingers pointing back at you. So you have way more fingers poking back at you than you have pointing at the other person. So as we examine history, as we examine history, it's very important for us to be careful how pious we think we are. Because we're really not that pious. But we need to learn to be more and more Christ-like all the time if we're saved. So the second thing that we want to look at, it is not a shame to flee. It's not a shame to flee. In Matthew chapter 24, when we studied that, we noted there that the Bible tells us that 
the time would come when the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, would need to flee to the mountains. They could not stay where they were. They needed to flee. And God says they need to flee. That time isn't here today, but it's coming. But in our text, we're told here in verse 11, we looked at that already before, but we're told there to flee these things. So there's certain things that Paul has written before that we're to flee. And so we can look back at the chapter and at the book of 1 Timothy and see that there are several things that Paul has talked about in regard to fleeing. And so if we go back to verse 2, it says, They that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they be our brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words. So we just talked about the importance of truth. Wholesome words are true words. So if it, Paul says, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. So there's a lot of that been going on in every generation. Disputes about nothing. Disputes about things that don't matter. While the truth is being ignored. I think back to when I was a, a young boy in the church that we attended. And it was a, getting to be an older building. And it had been in existence for a number of years now. And the carpets in that building were getting worn out. And there was discussion at that time about building a new building. They were not talking about repairing that building. They were talking about building a new building. And so there was discussion going on about that, and some people were opposed to it because it's a lot of money involved in building a new building. No matter what generation you live in, it's a lot of money to build a building. So discussion going on, and... One particular couple that was in the church at that time, the woman got up and she says, you know, and she had tears in her eyes and she says, I can't even bring my mother into this building because the carpets are so worn. You know, the carpets were more important than the gospel. And that wasn't just the problem with that one woman because that church that I grew up in, they don't even know what the gospel is anymore. They have allowed things to become so important that they have sacrificed the truth for the sake of things. It's a big church today, big building. I think they've built onto it three times. They have a big gymnasium, gymnasium, and I think they've doubled their size in regard to their meeting place. They have a coffee house in there and all kinds of stuff they have going on, but they have no gospel. 
And that's what happens when you don't flee. Run as fast as you can. Don't look back. Remember when God told Lot to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. And he had to, the angel of the Lord had to take Lot and his wife by the hand and pull them out of that city. They were reluctant to leave. And as they were being pulled out, the angel says, don't look back. And after the angel left them and they were fleeing, because the fire and brimstone were coming, Lot's wife looked back. That was the end of her. She became a pillar of salt. And Lot, he survived, but it wasn't for his benefit. It wasn't for his daughter's benefit. He committed incest with them. Not a good history at all. But that's what happens when you don't flee these things. When you don't just drop everything and run. There's nothing here of value. You know, as my brother-in-law was dying in the hospital, he was concerned at one point that he would never be able to go back home and see his things. Now, you know, for all of us, there are some people are more attached to things than others, but all of us, we have certain things that we like and we're treasured and we're careful about and we watch them. But what we need to learn, and, and to me that was another reminder, that we need to be careful how much emphasis we put on things. We don't want the things that we have to be destroyed. We don't want to buy something new today and have somebody come by and wreck it and tomorrow have to go and buy it again. We don't want to be like that. That's no, no help to anybody. That, that's going to bankrupt you. But we also want to be careful that we don't worship things. And I remember I can think back to when I was in the hospital and uh, recovering from being run over by a tractor. And uh, I had a cell phone at that time already. I remember one of my sons commenting at one point that at that point, because of my condition, I didn't have that cell phone. My wife had it. And he was commenting commenting about that that yeah dad doesn't have control of his cell phone now wasn't a big deal to me I wasn't concerned about it the only reason that I was controlling the cell phone when I was alert and able to is because I wanted to make sure it was used properly not because it wasn't a god to me still isn't but I don't let my grandchildren play with my cell phone why not because there's nothing on there that they need. They have nobody they need to call. They have nothing that they need to look at that's going to help them. They're just interested in games and because of the way they're being taught, they're interested in watching racing and things like that. And No, I'm not going to let them waste their time on my phone with that kind of stuff. But it's not because I worship the phone. So there are things that we as Christians need to learn to flee. Flee these things. Run away from them. Over the past three years, there have been many people that have been fleeing the truth and believing a lie. 
many religious organizations, some of them still haven't recovered because the people decided to listen to the lies they were told by the government and by the World Health Organization, by doctors and nurses and police and so on, and they fled. They left that which is good and chose to believe a lie. The governments are busy in our day right now. They're busy setting up what's called safe injection sites where people can go and they can get heroin, they can get whatever other drug, I don't even know what they all are, but they can get that drug and they can safely, safely inject themselves with that. And at those safe injection sites, because the drug industry is an ungodly industry, and the longer that you do drugs, the more of the drug you need to have to get the same effect. And so, what do you have when you take too much of the drug? You have what's known as an overdose. What happens when you overdose on a drug? Well, you become unconscious, and if you overdose with a heavy enough dose, you kill yourself. So at these so-called safe injection sites, there's supposed to be staff working there, that if they see somebody that overdoses, they quickly give them some, uh, I can't remember the name, Naxalone or something like that, they give them this drug that's supposed to counter the overdose so the person can survive. B.C. is the first province in Canada that was given permission by the federal government to have these safe sites. What they have discovered in B.C. because of these safe sites is that the drug business is growing more people are overdosing on drugs than there were before they ever had a safe injection site. In other words, what we're learning is that these safe injection sites are a failure. But is the government saying, we need to get away from this, we need to flee from this? No, they're not saying that at all. What they're saying is that we need to legalize the sale of heroin and so on so we can control it better just like they did with marijuana. So you see, our governments are not fleeing even their bad. They're never admitting that they did something wrong. They're not fleeing. But a lot of people aren't fleeing these things either. A few years back, quite a few now, we had a new thing happening in churches, and there was a major change in the music standards to what was termed as Christian rock. People were supposedly getting saved, but they loved their worldly, ungodly music. And so the older people in churches were afraid, if we don't do something, we're going to lose the younger generation. So you see, those older people already, they didn't understand the importance of truth. And so instead of them teaching their children the importance of truth, and if you get saved, what biblical salvation is... They rejected biblical salvation, came up with a new type of salvation, which is not salvation, and together with that, adopted a pagan music standard. And it's hard nowadays to find a church that hasn't got some of that ungodly influence in its music program. 
It's a rare thing to find a church that has a biblical music program because people don't flee these things. They don't flee the evil. They want to hold on to it. Timothy was told to flee. And that's important. In the Bible, we find that God, in the Old Testament, he gave the people prophets. And those prophets were to be preachers of the word of God. They were supposed to proclaim what God told them to say. And we know that there were false prophets, many of them. Jeremiah had to contend with them. There were false prophets in many generations in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ came to this earth, and he had to contend with the Pharisees, who were false teachers. They didn't flee the lies. They developed lies. Jesus taught the people the truth, but few of the people wanted to flee the false doctrine of the Pharisees. After Jesus ascended, the twelve apostles preached the gospel in the first century. Churches were established. But we know that there was also, in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, Jesus had to address problems in the early churches. They weren't fleeing. They were trying to hold on to some of the world. And that has been the pattern throughout church history that lack of fleeing. And so in our generation, as we look at these things, we need to be careful that we are fleeing things that are ungodly, not trying to find a way to adapt to those things. And so the third thing we have is follow after righteousness. So Jesus taught that lesson that you cannot simply go and cast out a devil and not replace that space with something else. And if you don't replace it with the truth, you're going to find that the end of that person is worse than before. And that's what the Bible teaches us. We see that in the world. We know that the United States went into Iraq and they they, um, took over Iraq They killed the dictator that was there, but they did not replace the dictator with anything better. So what do we have in Iraq today? We have a worse governmental system, not just in Iraq, but Afghanistan, and the whole Middle East is in worse shape today than it was when Saddam Hussein was alive. Because the governments of the West decided to overthrow a dictator but they had nothing better to put in its place. And so here Paul tells Timothy, and God is directing Paul as he's writing this, and he says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness. Now, all of the attributes given to us here in verse 11, all of them are found in God. Righteousness is that which is after God. Follow after God. Jesus told the disciples as he found them, some of them fishermen, some of them in different employment, but he said to them, follow me 
and I will make you fishers of men. So as the disciples followed Jesus, they could no longer carry on their previous work. Because they would never learn what they needed to learn that way. So God is righteous. So if a man is going to follow after righteousness, he's going to follow God. We said already earlier that God is holy. So if I'm a child of God, I should be coming, I should be becoming more holy as I live my life. There should be less of the world's influence in my life today than there was last year. I need to become more godly. My actions, my attitudes, my words, my thoughts, everything about me. Godliness, godliness is closely tied to righteousness. Paul talks about godliness with contentment is great gain. That's thinking about what God sees as important. So for us, I believe that we had an opportunity to demonstrate that in the last two weeks because twice my wife and I have traveled to Saskatchewan. When we went there the first time, we met with some of her family on our way back and and they thought that we would have stayed there and could have had somebody looking after the work here and we could just stay there. Well, we could have. We could have arranged for that. But to me, it is important to have consistency. I'm not a cult leader. I don't believe I'm the only man that can lead a church. But there's a need for consistency. And so that's why we drove there and we drove back when we thought it was necessary to do so. And that's why we went back again this week and we came back again. And we're going to have to go back once more because there's going to be a funeral yet. So that's going to be three trips within the time of a month. But I'm not complaining about that. I'm just saying that we have to make choices where we can help the family. And that's why we went. We didn't go to laugh and joke with Jack as he's laying in the hospital. For me, I went there because I wanted to read scripture to him and I wanted to pray with him. That's why we went. That was my goal. That was my aim. And that's what we did. Because we wanted to help Jack to know the truth. We wanted to help his wife, his children, and others that came to visit. wanted to help them to see the importance of truth in their lives. Godliness is choosing God's way over the world's way. Then the third thing that we see mentioned here, follow after faith. Now, biblical faith is not that faith as the charismatics define it. It has nothing to do with, I need a new car, so I'm going to pray, and I'm going to go to the dealership, and I'm going to buy that new car. I don't have any money for it, but I'm going to go and buy that car, and I'm going to expect God to pay for it. That's not biblical faith. Biblical faith is not also as with my brother-in-law dying in the hospital and one of my wife's aunts writing to her and giving her a biblical reference out of context and saying, here's what this verse says, and so we're going to pray for Jack's healing and uh, that he's going to get through this and it's going to be all good. That's not what biblical faith is either. You don't take a verse out of its context. You don't make it say what you want it to say. 
and then claim that if you live right, you should be healed. And if you eat right, you shouldn't get sick. And if you live right, you should have this and you should have that and, and it should all just fall into your lap because you have faith. And then if it doesn't work out, the, the, the people that teach this garbage, they say, well, it's because you didn't have enough faith. Look at it, it worked for me. But there are very few people that can actually make that claim, it worked for me. We have another uncle on my wife's side and also I have a brother, both of whom claim to follow the charismatic teaching on faith. And guess what? Both of them are dead. And they didn't die because they got old and their bodies wore out. One died of a heart attack and the other one died because uh, he didn't look after himself. He was a diabetic and didn't look after himself. So both of them preached a message that was a lie and it didn't even work for them. Never mind for anybody else. So biblical faith is trusting God, first of all, for salvation. The Catholics demonstrate the opposite of what biblical faith is. Biblical faith says Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. He shed his blood there. And if I trust in God and look at Jesus Christ as my only Savior, I have eternal life. That's what biblical faith is. The Catholics say you can believe in Jesus, but you also have to believe in Mary. But it's not even enough just to believe in Jesus and Mary. You have to believe in other dead people that the Catholic Church will determine over time these people are good people that you can pray to and they can help you find your lost item that you've lost. They can help you when you take a trip. If you have this person, this saint hanging from your mirror, he'll protect you. You won't have a car crash and your car won't break down and whatever else, you know. So that's, that's not biblical faith. Biblical faith is trusting God and trusting him in everything. Whether you see the results flowing the way you think they should or not, it's trusting God. And it's following his way. That's all. Following his way. Then we see also love. Well, what is love? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What is biblical love? Biblical love is wanting that which is best for the other person. Biblical love is not a selfish love. It's reaching out to others to help others to know the truth. That's biblical love. Selfish love is what can I do for you that's going to benefit me? That's selfish love. But God's love is doing for others what will benefit them regardless of whether I get anything back in exchange or not. And the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. So we need to have this love, follow after love, but we can't have that love unless we're saved first of all. Then patience. Patience is important. If you turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 22. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 22, and you look there at verse 20. And it says there, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. 
Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. We see a promise of God there that he's coming quickly. Jesus Christ is coming quickly. And John, directed by God, responds to that. Even so, Lord, come quickly. So we have that anticipation if we're saved. I'm looking for the Lord Jesus Christ to come back in the clouds today. That's how every Christian should be living. I'm looking for the Lord Jesus Christ to come back in the clouds today. But I'm going to patiently wait for that. And in the meantime, I'm going to serve God faithfully until he either takes me out of this world or the Lord Jesus Christ comes back in the clouds. Patient. We need to be patient. We cannot demand that Jesus comes back today or this week. Again, when we look at what's going on even today with that plane crash and the leader of the Wagner group, which was an ally of President Putin in Russia for a long time, but then the leader of that group turned against Putin and demanded things of Putin that Putin wasn't ready to do. He tried to make Putin do things he didn't want to do. Putin is the president. This leader of the Wagner group was not the president. But he wanted to tell the president what he needed to do. Well, you don't do that in a communist country and get away with it. So now they have this plane crash and they're not sure yet what caused the crash. They believe this man, he was on the list of people that were supposed to be on the plane, and so they believe that he was on that plane. And it's possible, they're already saying, it could have been a missile that took that plane down. Now, who would have shot that missile at it? Well, if Mr. Putin knew that this leader of the Wagner group, who had turned out to be an enemy of Putin, if he knew he was on that plane, the nature of Mr. Putin is he would try to kill him. And he would do it in such a way to make it look like it was an accident. He's done that before. So it's not surprising that he would do that again. So that's what happens in a country that doesn't know the fear of God, doesn't function in that way. Things happen that are detrimental to the well-being of people. But as we look at these things happening, we look at what's going on in Russia right now, we look at what's moving on in the Middle East and see how things are changing so rapidly, it's all a reminder of Ezekiel chapter 38 coming into play. And when that comes into play, we know that together with that comes the Lord's return. And so... Again, as we look at these things, we need to keep our eyes peeled on the heavens. And we need to be living in such a way that we're ready to meet the Lord. And then we see also meekness. Now meekness, we have said before, is strength under God's control. In the Old Testament, we have a man named Samson. Samson was a very strong man. He was stronger than anybody in this building and anybody that's listening to me. You can't walk up to the city gates of any build, of any city and take the gates off and walk up up a mountain with them. You can't even walk up to our door here and rip that door out of that frame and walk away with that. But Samson could do that. The problem with Samson was that he had all this strength, but it wasn't under God's control. 
He made foolish choices, got himself into trouble, and God graciously allowed him to get out of that trouble. He used Samson's foolishness to punish the Philistines. David, on the other hand, was a man who demonstrated strength under God's control. Goliath stood up on a mountain and roared down upon the Israeli army and demanded that they send someone to fight against him. And the army fled. Saul wasn't brave enough to say, okay, man, we're going after them. We're going to take out Goliath. We're going to win this thing. He wasn't brave enough to do that. He couldn't do that. David heard this man blaspheming God and the nation of Israel. What did he do? After talking to Saul, he went to the brook and took five smooth stones and his sling. And the Bible says that he ran towards Goliath. He didn't timidly run from this bush to that bush and try to make sure that he wasn't being seen too much. He ran towards Goliath. And as he's running towards Goliath, he takes his sling and he lets a stone fly. And God directed that stone to the weak spot in Goliath's armor. And Goliath came crashing down to the ground. But David didn't stop there. He ran to that that, uh, giant and he took the giant's sword and cut off his head. David made sure that man is not getting up again. See, that's strength under God's control. That's biblical meekness. That's what we need today. As we look at, as I mentioned in my prayer, that they're talking of bringing the mask mandates back in again. And probably the social distancing and whatever else they want to do. They're they're going to bring it back again. What are we going to do when they do that? Are we going to try and run and hide? Or are we going to serve God and proclaim his word and seek to help other people to see the importance of following the truth? We don't need to live in fear. We can live with confidence. But we can only do that when we follow God. And so, again, we are making history today. If, if the world lives long enough and our children, grandchildren live up to be adults and the world carries on and they have children, we today have an opportunity to impact the next generation for the truth. But we can also be people who impact the next generation for the lie. So it's up to us. Are we going to accept the word of God as the truth? Are we going to flee those things that are wrong? And are we going to follow after those things that are right? It's a choice that we need to make. And we need to be sure that we make the right choice. Starts with biblical salvation, follows through with growing in the Lord and serving him faithfully so that we can be blessed by him and through him and we can be a blessing to others. That's what we need to be. That's what God wants us to be. Let's close with our prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we have the opportunity to know the truth and to walk in the truth. We're thankful for the privilege of knowing thy forgiveness, thankful that thy word is truth, and thankful that we can honor thee with our lives and help others to know thee as well. 
We pray that as we continue to study church history and other studies that we do, that we can learn the importance of true biblical faith, knowing thy peace and blessing, and helping others to know the same. So may thy will be accomplished, may we glorify thee, and may we help others to walk in truth in these days of grace. We pray in Jesus' name.